Hi there, this is Pastor Ronnie Allen here at Omega Church. I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. If this is your first time listening, we want to say thank you for joining us. We hope this message equips you to follow God's voice. We believe that if you're searching, today your search is over. Thanks for being with us and enjoy. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Right now, glory to God. The circulatory system is going to be healed and restored while you use His breath to praise Him. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for new lungs. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right here in this auditorium. We thank you through live stream while we pour forth our praises to you with your breath. Your breath, glory to God, is going to be breathed into a new lung in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. I am so confident of this that I expect you to give testimony to what God has done. Glory to God. This is not, listen, this is the work of the man Christ Jesus, not the work uh, of, of mere men. It's the work of the man Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise and thanksgiving for this time together. We thank you for your healing virtue. Now, Lord, we, your spirit is here. We've cleared the atmosphere for you to talk to us. Lord, I thank you that you give me clear thought, accurate words to convey understanding. We thank you, Lord, that our hearts are ready to receive. We must hear from you. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory for we expect to in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Just, uh, you know, if you don't want to touch somebody, don't want to give them a high five or handshake, whatever. If you don't want to do that, at least give them a, a you know, a distant high five. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you. I, I realize that this is um, what we call Labor Day work week in, you know, Labor Day weekend. Some people, this is the only time they labor. <laughs> I said some people. I didn't say, you know. But, <clears throat> and I realize that people have taken this time to, you know, probably the last holiday before, you know, we get into high gear through the fall and so on and so forth. I realize that. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Those that are in this auditorium and those that are viewing by live stream, I'm asking you to do something because this is, I'm a little bit nervous to be honest with you. I have never spoken like this and you probably won't hear uh, many, if any, preach and teach on what I'm going to talk about today because it's contrary to what people perceive. Everybody say perceive. How many of you ever had your perception was wrong? If you've ever had a fender bender, usually that was it. Okay. And we have a preconceived idea, and I find out that I need to be delivered from mine. 
we have a preconceived idea, and when we hear someone teach or preach on the message of grace, that we're contradicting the law, number one, and number two, we think that grace is a contradiction of work. And that's totally contrary to the Bible. Because of that, people, because of their preconceived ideas, have gone off and uh, without studying the Bible to get a balance. God is balanced. He's not, out, he's not lopsided. And because of that, then people start falling in love with non-work. In other words, the atmosphere has been conducive. And this is exactly what the enemy has been wanting for a lazy spirit to invade our society. Are you following me? And even some of God's people have compromised with that spirit. Now listen very carefully. If you work to, and you, you're working. Now I know, I realize that various times we, we're out of work. I get that. I get that. But I'm talking about if you are endeavoring to work, I want to applaud you because you're obeying the Bible. I told you that <laughs> I have never spoken like this but when we God God reserves things to put them in an order uh, how would I say it revelation reserved for a time period in other words God cannot God sometimes why do you think he said in the book of revelation he said or, or to the prophets sometimes he said I'm revealing this to you but it's sealed and won't be revealed until a certain time some of these things, I've never connected the dots until now. We're going to be continue to talk on this series called The Law of Divine Order. Subtitle, Work is a Gift of God. Okay. And our founding of our nations, there were a group of people called Puritans. Puritans came over here and they were seeking freedom to worship God from studying the Bible. You understand for decades, centuries actually, common man wasn't able to read the Bible. This was a period of time in which the Bible, the written word of God, was put into the hands of people to read. Okay? And it was taken out of the religious knothead's hands. Where they could dominate and manipulate. And the publishing of the word of God went forth. And our country was founded out of that. 
And the Puritans came over here to, to worship God uh, according to what they saw in the Bible, not what religion trained them as puppets to do. And one of the things that they have, and you can Google this, look it up, is called the Puritan work ethic. That work ethic is that they believed that work is a gift from God. Yet, in our society, and many of you probably don't come from this background, but I kind of had a country background, so, you know, I picked up country music. And there was a guy that we made rich by listening to this song. It's by an artist called Johnny Paycheck. Take this job and shove it. Okay. Now we see what's going on in our society. We're, we're begging people to go to work. Uh, there's a Valero station close by my house. And they have a, a, a banner up there that says... Uh, uh, hiring all positions, and we'll give you a $300 bonus just to sign up to work. And why is that? Because there has been a disruption. And it's been in the making for quite some time. The type of government, listen carefully, that loves... Non-production is socialism. Socialism leads to a worse type of government called communism. Communism came from a man named Karl Marx. And I don't have time to go into all of that. You can look it up. What we see released across, and it's made public now, we have a whole political party that has embraced this socialistic, communistic, Marxist, Marxist attitude. And it's being released, listen carefully, this is very important, in society, and it's infiltrated our upper educational system. And make it sound like it's for the common man, but in reality, it is anti work in which instead of recognizing that God is the giver of the ability to work and work itself that it now wants you to divert your attention away from your productivity in order for the government to replace God Always remember this. God is your provider. He has various resources, but he is the source. I'm going to read some scripture to you. I have very, very, I'm talking about 
all of my life, the 40 plus years that I've been in ministry, I've heard very few preachers ever talk on what I'm fixing to say. Because it doesn't sound very spiritual. But in reality, the Bible is practical. Now, what does that mean? I always say it this way. It's practicable. The Bible, the word practical, by the way, means concerned with doing or use rather than theory or ideas. Did, did you hear that? Let me read that one more time because I'm not sure that you, you ought to be excited about right now. Practical is concerned with doing rather than theory or ideas. You can have an idea, but if it ain't practicable, it's nothing more than a stupid idea. Do you understand what we're saying here? Now, I'm going to give you some scripture, but I got to give you the platform again by which we're talking about the law of divine order. I'm going to give you a big, big clue. The earlier you find it in Genesis, the more in line with the design of God. Okay? That's why I encourage you to read what God did when the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved and God said, let there be light and there was light. And you go on from there. Eventually, we'll get through verse 19, chapter 1. Okay? What did God start doing? Putting things in order. We are right now going through a process by which God is setting things in order. America is a country, is a leading country. God designed it that way. There's a reason why. The founders themselves, imperfect, were striving or directing their attention towards the word of God. Because injustices were all across the globe. Do you understand? And why? Because it was the dark ages. And God brought the light of his glorious word to the everyday man, whereby he could have access to it and bypass religious knotheads. Okay, thank you, Jesus. We've covered that. Remember this, the God of disorder or the word confusion in the King James is Satan himself. And I use the word God with a little g. He's also referred to in Corinthians as the God of this world, referring to not the earth, but a system. 
In James says, chapter 3, you can read this for yourself, verses 15 and 16. There are two kinds of wisdom in the earth. One is earthly, sensual, and devilish. The other one is from above. It's first, the Bible says, pure. That means it's, it's solid, it's real, it's truth. And then, peaceable. Now, let, when we talk about peaceable, everybody thinks, well, we'll just all get along. That's not what it means. It means harmonious operation. Like, a, like the harmony of a symphony. Everything in its place doing what it was designed to do. The wisdom that's from above is first based on truth and then it begins to place things in divine order on the way it was created. Everybody with that? Okay. When we, as an individual, as a family, or as a nation, operate in the wisdom that's demonically inspired, we are opposing God's order. The first law of Genesis is divine order. We, the created, do not tell the creator what we're going to do. Are you following me? We, the created... Submit to the Creator so that our life can be in place. Okay? Now remember this. God is not confused about man. Man is confused about God. That means he's in a state of chaos and he doesn't understand God. And God says, get wisdom from above and with all thy getting, get what? understanding now how many of you have ever had a junk drawer at home okay I, I, I'm not going to I rose both hands because we've had more than one <laughs> pastor zone is more organized and you know what a junk drawer is for it's like a junk closet we pile everything in there because we know somebody's coming okay we don't even remember what we put in there. <laughs> if anything in there is any good or not. Because right. it's just junked. Okay. Society been for many decades has been going down a junk drawer. But here's what I want you to see. Through all this turmoil, God's pulled out the drawer. And he's dumped it all out. And it, our junk drawer's not junked anymore. Been like this for a while because Pastor Zona keeps me in line. But she pulled out that drawer, dumped it on the table, and then she started putting little uh, things in there to help organize it. This little slot right here is where all the pins go. You understand, Ronnie? Okay. And when I say pins, I'm talking about writing pins. Then she's got another little section there 
Now, these pins are the ones that stick you. They go in that drawer. How many of you have dug through that, that, that uh, junk drawer looking for a pin and you got stuck with the other kind of pin? Okay. Well, that's where we're at. Did God create the chaos that's going on? No. God said, okay. Devil, you threw this whole wrench in the, in the machinery. Now I'm going to take time to put it back together again the way I designed it. And the church of the Lord Jesus needs to understand that he's also reorganizing the church. Tell the church listens to God and not get caught up, listen carefully, with a personality other than the person of Jesus. Okay. I haven't still got, I haven't got where I want to go yet. Go with me to the book of Acts, chapter 17. Glory to God. And I, 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 like I say, I'm a little nervous because I've never approached it this way. In fact, what I'm fixing to read to you in the book of Acts chapter 17, I never saw before. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Acts 17, verse number 1. Now when they had passed through Amphilius... And the other place too. <laughs> don't, get, don't get caught up on what my interpretation of that. Okay. They came to Thessalonica. Now everybody say Thessalonica. Okay. We will be going to Second Thessalonica in a moment. This is interesting to note where this took place. Watch this. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, in other words, three weeks, and reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some believed and consorted with Paul. That means they associated with Paul and Silas. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude. And of chief women, not a few. In other words, those that, ladies that were in authority. See, you think, listen, ladies, I want you to hear me. God liberated you to put you in chief places. Are you following me? But if you fall prey to the, to the wisdom that's from here, you're going to misuse that. Just like man, uh, the male side of humanity has done the same thing. Okay. Verse 5. But the Jews which believed not. Now watch this. These were people in high authority in this city of Thessalonica. The Jews which believed not moved within the envy and took unto them lewd fellows. That word lewd means evil. Evil fellows of the brazer sort, or baser sort. I don't know how, anyway, listen to the word. That word right there is important. 
He took with them that, that group, okay? Notice what he did. And he gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar. Sound like confusion. And assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. When they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down. Did you get that? They turned the world upside down. They disrupted the status quo. Listen carefully, whether you, whether you like it, whether you, did, whether you are in support of or against, I do want you to understand God used Donald Trump to uh, uh, upset the apple cart. Why? You would not have been able to see what you see today. You need to grab a hold of that. Okay? Watch this. They turn the world upside down or come hither also. Those that turn the world upside down have come here to Thessalonica. And when Jason had, and when Jason had received and these all, all do contrary to the decrees of who? Of who? Caesar, the governed body at the time, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. Are you hearing that? They troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. Now let's go back to this people that they consort, that they got together with in verse number five, baser sort, I guess that's how you say it. That word baser there, it means huckster. And you know what they, the, the, they were upset about? The financial status quo was jerked around for decades until Paul came and now he is telling us that there's somebody besides Caesar who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords that death itself couldn't hold him. The status quo among religious leaders, those that were in authority in government, consorted with one another because they were hucksters and manipulated the working man. See, Pastor Ronnie, you're being political. I'm trying to bring uh, the word of God to you to understand what's happening. God hates an unjust balance. Do you know what a, what, what a balance was used for? It was used for in trade, and it was manipulated to make you pay more money than what a product was worth. They knew exactly what they were doing. Wow. Mm. Now go with me to 2 Thessalonians. Glory to God. This, remember, this is Labor Day weekend. Work is a gift from God. 
Glory to God. Quit taking the job and shoving it. Start embracing it. Now listen very carefully. If we don't get a hold of this and the body of Christ doesn't get this and we don't get an understanding of this, I'm going to tell you there will come a day that you beg to work. My, my parents lived through that. All right, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 3, verses 6 through 15. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back up here. Third word is what? This is not a suggestion. We command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly. Whoa, 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 whoa. Disorderly? Sound like God's got an order. Who, who, who instigates disorder? Satan does. He's the God of disorder. Watch this who walk disorderly and not after the tradition which, you, which, which he received of us. In other words, he let the manipulation of the day cloud his judgment because he's talking to a believer here. He let the, 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 the status quo of the day, the, how would I say it? The system of the day manipulate his understanding and he started having thoughts. Now, let, let me give you something. Always remember this. Fallen human nature is lazy. How many of you have some things you don't like to do? If you don't raise your hand, you're a lying dog. Okay. Everybody does. Okay. Even at my age, middle age, I had to learn that if I wanted my health, God told me, he said, if you want your health, make your bed every day and thank me that you have the ability to make it. You want to teach your kids to be successful? Get them to make your bed every day. Fallen human nature is lazy. <laughs> okay? Make your bed. My mom made my bed when I was growing up. Okay? When we got married, Zona made our bed. It wasn't until I started having a few heart problems and I wanted my health back that God says, I promised you in my word that I would help make the bed of the sick. You want, you, you're going to believe me to be well? Start making your bed every day. And be honest with you, man, I hated it. <laughs> I don't think about it now. Zona, Zona's prayers worked. Mama's seed worked, and now I help her make the bed. 
I don't make it every day. She makes it. She made it yesterday. I made it today. My point is, what we're fixing to read, you must grasp and understand. This is Bible, and the Bible is practicable. If you, I had one guy argue with me so spiritual he was dumb. He was one of those tongue talkers that thought every time he spoke in tongues, he was being spiritual. When in reality, if he knew what the Holy Spirit was trying to teach him, he would have renovated his thinking with the Bible. He argued with me. I said, the Bible's practical. And he said, how dare you say that? Because we, we take spirituality and put it out here in goofy land. Spirituality can absolutely be worked in your habitual behavior. And I, I turned to him and I said, if it ain't practicable, then it ain't real. It's only theory. And God is talking to the church. These are the times that you need to understand that the Bible works. But you got to work it. This is what he said. Get away from those people that walk disorderly, being swayed with the propaganda of the day. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. But we wrought with labor. Understand that. Right, underline it if you have a Bible. We wrought with labor. We're talking about the man, Paul the Apostle, who wrote the New Testament and helped us to understand grace is talking about labor now. Are you following me? And travailed night and day. Now we're talking about travail. That we might be, not be charged, chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power or authority. We have a power and authority to take from you when we invest in you spiritual matters. You can find that in another place. Find it in Galatians, actually. Chapter 6. But he said, we didn't do that. We work night and day. Watch this. Not because we didn't have power or authority to make ourselves an in, but but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. So he said we went into the workforce preaching to you the gospel, but we went into the workforce day and night not to take from you, but to give you an example. Now listen very carefully. I'm going to make some bold statements right here. That's what got the body of Christ in trouble. That's what, and the reason why is because the ministers got in trouble. And here's what the ministers did. If I can just become famous, then we follow them because of their fame. 
and we don't follow their example, and now we turn the lazy spirit loose through the body of Christ because our leaders were more, uh, more focused on becoming famous instead of living as an example. Now, what I'm fixing to tell you is I'm making some bold statements here, and I know not everybody may like it because I'm going to challenge you. But some ministers need to learn the work ethic of hard labor. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that a person should not, if you're going to be a pastor or a leader, there, shouldn't come, there should come a time whereby that individual focuses on preaching and teaching the Word of God. But I'm going to tell you what I told a pastor friend of mine just a week or two back. I said, there's been many, many ministers that have wrote books before their time. And the body of Christ lapped it up because all we have to do is put some money in the offering pan without the labor. Now, I'm going to give you some scripture for everything I'm telling you. God cannot bless the work of your hands if your hands ain't working. Watch this, not because, we, but we wanted to be an example. For when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. This is not under what we call the, quote, law in the Old Testament. This is in the New Testament, and it's a command. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. My mom used to put it like this, Ronnie, quit worrying about everybody else and tend to your own rat killing. You see, when you become busybodies, this is this trap that the devil sets up for people that despise work. And now when they see that somebody else, God's blessed the work of their hands, they think it belongs to me just because you got it. It's the spirit of communism. Until everybody contributes that's working and those that aren't working, we reward them. And you've got some traitors that are in leadership to the Word of God in this country that are rewarding non-workers. And quit, listen, and they love to make it a race issue, and it's not a race issue. It's a heart issue. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. It, you, you, you've got to understand this. It, it, that's what they're doing. They're trying to put it that it's a white man's thing, and it ain't a white man's thing. It's a Bible thing. Yes. In fact, 
Some of those that are guilty of this are whites. They're manipulating this thing. Oh, my God. You say, Pastor Ronnie, why are you so forceful? I want to wake you up. If I got to go through my nerves, be nervous about preaching this, then I ought to. Now, look at verse 12, because we'll read verse, through verse 15. Now, them that are such, that are disorderly and busybodies, we command. Another command. And exhort and encourage by our Lord Jesus Christ. By who? Jesus that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So in my mom's terminology, tend to your own rat killing. Quit comparing yourself with somebody else. Listen. <laughs> this is important. I wouldn't stop here, but I got to say it. There was a preacher one time who visited a farmer and went to his church. And he walked out there and he looked at the farm, you know, and, and the farmer showed him all around. And he said, my Lord, the Lord's blessed you by giving you this farm. And the farmer looked at him. And he said, you should have seen it when God had it to himself. <laughs> Nothing, listen carefully. How many of you ever bought, you bought a house and guess what you did? You started trying to change it. To make it like you. You tended to your own rat killing. Are you, are you understanding? Okay, I got to hurry. That they work and eat their own bread, but ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. So all of you that are tending your own rat killing, don't get weary in well-doing. Don't you concede to the spirit of the age that's trying to take over this country, that spirit of communist, Marxist, socialistic spirit. Go to work. Now, they're not going to make it easy on you, okay? Because they want you to conform, but God's about to transform you with his blessing. There's going to be a wealth transfer, not the one they're thinking about. Verse 14, and if any man obey not our word... But this, by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him. You know what that means? It means don't associate with him. That doesn't mean you got to be, you got to treat him mean. And I'll prove that to you by going to this next verse. That he may be ashamed. Laziness is supposed to be ashamed. The only time until God started dealing with me physically about helping to make the bed is when we knew somebody was coming to the house. Are y'all following me? 
why would I care whether my bed's made or not? Because it'd be a shame to you to see my laziness. Verse 15. <laughs> Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. In other words, encourage people to work. You parents that have smaller children, I want to encourage you to listen carefully to teach them to have a work ethic. They need calluses on their hands. Listen very carefully. There's three types of work. There is physical labor. There is mental labor. And then there is spiritual labor the Bible refers to. You must teach your children to start with physical labor. Yes. Quit teaching them to get out of work. Right. Amen. Follow me? If, listen, if they're going to eat at your table, the least you can do is make them take their plate to the, to the sink. Amen. It ain't going to hurt them to carry out the trash. You're teaching. It ain't going to hurt them. And, and I, you know, I'm not telling you that I've been flawless in all of this because I've been a doer. I've been a, I've been a worker. And, and my deal is, if you ain't going to do it, get out of my way. And I made it hard on myself sometimes because people wanted to enter into my labor with me. But teach them to labor. Then, what do you think school is? School is about mental labor. You want to teach them to think. And listen carefully. Don't forfeit that responsibility to the educators. Parents, you're doing your children a disservice when you don't teach them to think. Because there's going to be some educators that are anti-God. All right, then you teach them to know the difference between what's right and what's wrong. But if they can't think, they don't have a thinking capacity because you've been negligent, they're going to be winding up being selling out their soul to the devil. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I got news for you right here. Genesis chapter 1, this is the last place we're going to go. I mean, chapter 2. I said 1, but it's chapter 2. If I made the mistake, I, thank you. All right, I got it right. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, listen to this. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, at which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his works, which he had made. And the Lord blessed the seventh day. Why did he bless the seventh day and sanctify it? Because he had worked the previous six days. The seventh day is not sanctified or blessed unless you have entered into the six days of work. Because that in he had rested from all his work. 
which God created and made. These are the generations of heaven and of earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Watch verse 5. It's going to be very, very important. Every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. That word till, the root word means to work or to serve. To work or to serve. It really means to serve another by labor. In a good sense, listen carefully, in a good sense, it means worshiper. In a bad sense, it means slave. Now, I'm going to say this to you to help you to get something real quick. I've got to close it. Right now, there is a manipulation of a system to enslave us. It's been around for a long time, ever since we <laughs> disconnected the money system from the gold standard, which is about 1971 which means that the money system can be jerked by jerks. And they can inflate it. Now here's the thing you need to understand where we're at. In the last two years, 20% of all U.S. dollars that are in circulation have been printed. That means if you have $10 in your pocket, two of them in the last two years have been put in circulation. Inflation is the results. When you have more money, then you have more money going after the same goods and services. Okay? Okay? So the prices can be jacked up. Are you with that? Inflation this has been used for centuries to devalue the working man's labor. It is really a hidden tax that is unseen. Okay? And it causes a transfer of wealth. For 10 years, I had my securities license. When I say security, I'm not talking about being a security guard. I'm talking about being, uh, you know, in the area of finances. I got out of it because it was manipulated. One of the questions on the test... What's the definition for inflation? The definition for inflation was a transfer of wealth. 
Okay? Everybody with this? Okay. I'm helping you understand when you find something in Genesis, the earlier it's found, the more you need to study it and find out how things are supposed to work. You will find out that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And out of Eden flowed a river, water. And it had formed four heads. Go, you just study this for yourself. The first place that it split off, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God starts talking about gold. What, what, what? And it says, in this location, the gold was good. Wow. What, do you, what has this got to do with anything, God? Everything. God set the standard of gold. You better pay attention right here. America has been abused by our leaders and other countries that hate us in the financial realm. And yet most of God's people have no idea and they're more interested in voting for a politically correct leader than they are that is a than they would for a disruptor. You say, Pastor Ronnie, are you talking about Donald Trump? Wow. <laughs> Sad that part of the body of Christ was more interested in somebody that lies through their teeth than somebody's going to tell you the truth and hit you in the head with it. You know why we're like that? Because we went to church and not studied the Bible. And now God is saying, okay, that's what you want to do. I'm going to turn this whole thing upside down. I'm going to start putting it in my order. Folks, in case you don't realize that you live in the last of the last days. I got some good news for you. God's setting it in divine order. Amen. And you can take this prophetically if you want to. God's going to put the monetary system in the United States back on a gold standard. Amen. But there are those that are going to fight it tooth and toenail. Because their little kingdom is going to jeopardize because they won't be able to jerk it around. You better wake up about right now. You say, Pastor Ronnie, what are you, what have you went, I went to the grocery store the other day. Do you know that it cost me I told Zona, I said, I hope we got enough money in the checkbook. It almost cost me twice as much for the same stuff. Yes. 
And yet they're saying, oh, it's only 5 or 6% inflation. Tell that every time you fill up your gas tank. Now, what's the alternative? I'm going to give it to you. You ready? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Do you know what that word sorrow there means? Grievous toil. That means toiling that causes grief. What's what's toil that's grief? That I work my fingers to the bone and I still keep spinning my wheels and I ain't no better off than what I used to be. I put in more hours. I get two jobs now and I still ain't getting ahead. But the blessing of the Lord changes every bit of that. Do you understand? When you go to work, go, go to work where the, where the spout is coming right out and the glory's pouring out on you at the job. Quit cursing your paycheck. Quit cursing your job and say, Lord, you're going to prosper the work of my hands. You're going to give me some wisdom. You're going to train me and develop me. You're going to put me at the right place at the right time. You're going to make me to buy stuff and to, and to be able to trade stuff and to be able to do stuff that I can't do by myself. You are getting to the point that you got to have God in your business. This is divine order. God's always wanted to go to work with you. What has this system told you? This system told you keep Jesus in your uh, building you call the church. Don't let him show up here with you to do work. We've heard testimony after testimony where God would go to work with individuals that would honor God and let him bless the work of their hand and he puts them up and over. You can't trust a system that is rigged by the devil to get ahead. You're going to have to trust God. Be led by his spirit. Word fed, spirit led. There is a transfer of wealth that's going to take place. What do you think happened to the children of Israel when God was getting ready to deliver them out of Egypt? 400 years. They had manipulated their wages and turned them into slaves. God says, I've had enough of this. When, you, when I deliver you, I'm going to deliver you out with the gold and silver of this nation. They had to pay back wages. They, listen, they did it willingly. Do you know why? Because the blessing of God was upon them and they feared a God of might and power. That's exactly where this country is right now. God's not going to let the status quo stay the same. The scales were, 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 were rigged 
and they were balanced in the wrong direction. But God says, I'm going to adjust it. But it's only to the believer. Do you understand that? I'm going to close with this. Give you a testimony about myself. Back in uh, the late 80s, we was learning to live by the law of faith. Zona and I lived behind the church for eight years in what is called now our, our office. And God delivered us, and I thank God I came out. <laughs> Never do that again. Don't ever do it. And uh, we were debating about moving. We drove in the neighborhood that we live in now for 10 years. Watching all those houses built is what we said. One day, God's going to let us live there. Now, I didn't know everything God had in mind, but we was taking each step by faith. Sometimes two to three times a week, we'd drive in that neighborhood. And as we was driving in that neighborhood, we kept saying, one of these days, one of these days, 10 years, 10 years, we don't have that much time left. You understand? In other words, you need to get on the bandwagon now and quit lollygagging. And we watched the house that we live in now being built. And it was a big house. In fact, when he when got through finishing it, I thought, man, that looked like a church. <laughs> That's what we thought, really. And uh, anyway, I'm cutting this really short. We drove up there one day and we saw a for sale sign. And we thought, oh my goodness, a for sale sign. Now we passed it by because we looked at our checkbook. And a savings account. And that's the only accounts we had. Neither one of them had anything in it. <laughs> this house was twice as big as the house we lived in. Now, it's big to some people, but it ain't a big house compared to other people. We got another house in the neighborhood 6,000 square feet. And by the way, a minority owns it. So all your racial crap can go out the drain. <laughs> and it's a preacher. But anyway, our house is 3,600 square feet, twice as big as what we lived in. And that's big to some people. And we're grateful, and don't misunderstand, we are grateful. Of course, we've renovated this house several times through 30-something years. But here's the point. That house was up for sale, was it two? 200, originally. $200,000, this is 1985. So it was a lot of money. And I thought, man, we, there ain't no way. I don't know if we could afford 70000 It was up for sale for five years. Now, we didn't know that the people lived in it were believers. They went, 
they had went through a marriage problem. And they had been divorced and he had remarried. And it was, they had to sell it by the court. And we kept looking at that house for five years, driving by it. Nobody could buy that house. His new wife was praying that a preacher would buy it. We probably could have been in that house five years earlier <laughs> had I not been slow to believe. And I know I'm taking a little bit of time right here, but I want you to grab this. This is going to be important to you in the days ahead, I promise you. And so I sat there for five years, and he went down from 200 to 180. Zona calls me one day and says, I made an appointment for us to look at that house. I said, Zona, we can't look at that house. We ain't got no money. She said, Ronnie, don't worry about it. They don't know us. <laughs> you just go in there and act like you're going to buy this cash. <laughs> we walked in that house. <laughs> we walked in that house. The lady was there. The, man, the, the husband was, was at work. And she turned around and she said, Hello, Ronnie and Zona. I looked at her and Zona thought she was dead when she got home. They had visited our church before. We never got to meet them. But they were believers. So we looked at that house. We looked at it two or three times. I'm, here again, I'm going through a lot of series of stuff. And... Uh, she said, Zona, uh, she said, Ronnie, we got to look at this house one more time. I either got to get it out of my spirit, get it out of my desires, and let's move on, or we're going to stand and we're going to get that. So we looked at it one more time after we left. Uh, I guess we were the only ones looking at it. I don't know. The way it looked, it sounded. The wife called Zona. I said, y'all interested in the house? Said, yeah, we're interested in it. And then she, she told her, she, she told her, said, I can't, we can't, we don't have that kind of money. Now listen, this is a shh. <laughs> she said, uh, <clears throat> let me talk to my husband. I'll call you back tomorrow and tell you what to offer him. <laughs> it was $60,000 less than what he was asking. Needless to say, we were in there in uh, Thanksgiving in 1989. God put us in a place that I couldn't afford by myself. This is what you got to learn. The government's not going to take care of you. They're not supposed to take care of you. They're supposed to give you the freedom to trust God to be your source. We've made a lot of changes since then. I don't want to tell you how much that, that, that I was told the house is worth now, but it's a whole lot more than what we paid for it. Probably about four times what we paid for it. God did that. God did that. I, did, I didn't do it. I didn't have the money to do it. God did that. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich 
and he addeth no sorrow with it. Stand with me, if you would. Glory to God. This is not about offering time. Offering is, we're showing God, we trust him. When God talks about giving your 10% tithe and your offering, he's he's talking about, do you trust me enough to give it to me? It's just proof. You know, talk can be really cheap when you have no skin in the game. I've heard a lot of people say, I believe in tithing and don't tithe. (laughs) Are you following me? It's just like a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, but don't believe him. They came to Jesus and asked and said, what must we do to do the work of God? The work of God. And Jesus turned to him, believe. In other words, if if you'll believe him, That's all God wants from you to believe him and take the steps to show him that you believe him. That's what, and it's a work of God. Glory to God. Father, I thank you right now that this message will burn in our spirits. Then we're not going to bow to the false God of communism, socialism, or Marxism. We serve the God of the Bible and his blessing upon the work of our hands makes us rich with no grievous toil attached. When we work, we're going to see the production of the work of our hands and it's going to flourish in the name of Jesus as a true believer. We're not going to try to skate by we're not going to try to manipulate anything. What we're going to do is put our, put our hands to the plow. And we're going to sow our seed in the name of Jesus. We're going to till our ground. And we're going to let you help us with our business. Yes. And you're going to put us up and over. Beyond what we could ask or think. Because we know you're the source of our supply. In the name of Jesus. I rebuke in the name of Jesus the spirit of fretfulness and worry in the name of Jesus about finances. Father, we're going to find out what your word says and we're going to do it. And you're going to prosper our doing. Glory be to God. We're going to renew our mind to the word of Almighty God. Feed our spirits your word and be led by your spirit. You're going to tell us what to buy. You're going to tell us what to sell. You're going to tell us where to go. We're going to be led by your spirit and what to do. You're going to tell us, no, don't buy it now. You're going to tell us, buy it now when nobody's buying Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We're going to be led by your spirit. And you're going to do above and beyond all that we could ask or think according to your power that works within us. Now, Father, we give you the praise and thanksgiving. 
we know who our source is. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We know who our healer is. We know who our, we know who our Savior is. We know where our wisdom comes from. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to have wealth transferred into our hands because we're trusting you in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you as we get ready to leave this place, your grace surrounds us like a shield and influences us in every area of our lives, including the area of finances, the area of health, the area of our family, in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that we hear your voice and the voice of another we will not follow. You've given your angels charge over us, our families, our properties, and our goods. And we declare in the name of Jesus, there'll be no tragedy named among any of us. We're going to leave this place so full of your love that as we go out into our everyday lives, every person we come in contact with, your love would ooze out of us and touch them. Glory be to God. Thank you, Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I'd like to say thank you for all those who give and support this ministry. I pray that you've been blessed and challenged by the podcast today. For more information on how to give, you can visit omegachurch.com forward slash give. Thank you for believing in our mission.